For more than 20 years, anglers everywhere have come to know one thing, that nothing says no to fish bites. It's the first day of February 2024, and because this is a leap year, we have 29 days to count down from now until the opening day, March 1st, New Jersey's Outback Striper season, west of the coal regs, the inlets, rivers, and back bays, 29 days from today. I'm Jim Hutchinson with the New Jersey Delaware Bay edition of the Fisherman Magazine. It's February 1st, 2024, and for the life of me, I can't figure out why the shortest month of the year slogs along so slowly. But before we touch upon the latest action in the region, and yes, I'm going to address a couple of questions and comments regarding striped bass based on last week's video, and I have a brand new management chart that the ASMFC sent me this week that should surprise you. But we'll pick at that scab in just a few minutes. But first, let's take a look inside the February edition, hot off the presses, burning my fingers. It just came out this week. We went to print on Sunday night. So let's go through that because it does relate to what's going on right now. But you'll see that cover shot, that monster tog from Matt Brown that we had discussed earlier uh, several weeks back here in the fishing forecast. That was a 20 pounder. That's what he estimated it being 20 pounds because it was caught and released on a Magic Tails one and a half ounce tog jig Great photo by Jason McKee. That is the cover shot of the February edition of the Fisherman Magazine for New Jersey, Delaware Bay. It's out throughout the region right now. The glossy section boasts our annual electronics buyer's guide for 2024 by Captain John Raguso. So if you're looking for a new fish finder or night vision, whatever, he's got it all locked up. Plus, how-to instructions for building your own inshore fluke rod this season from Matt Broderick. Dave Anderson, our New England editor, he heads back to the lathe for the classic Gibbs design in this, week's, uh, this month's plug build. Plus, I've got a feature on gray fish tag research, the Northeast Striped Bass Study. We just got a tag return late in the fall. It's all written up where that fish was caught, where it traveled this summer, and where it ultimately ended up in Raritan Bay earlier, uh, well, in the fall, I guess it was October, November, we started tracking that striper. This, of course, is an ongoing study, which I will be talking about more as this year progresses, um, because we do have the annual Striper Quest event on Raritan Bay coming up on May 16th. That's open to the public. We'll be doing the satellite tagging, but we're gonna hold a contest, same as we did last year, we hope to turn this into, if it's not already, the largest single day striped bass tagging event in the world. You got a deeper dive in this February edition. Uh, inside the local section, Jimmy Frieda showcases what you need to gear up for stripers on the fly this season. My old man, Hutch Sr., he left Manahawkin this, uh, this winter, uh, right after Christmas, headed down to Crystal River, Florida, and he's got a spotlight snowbird's eye view of the nature coast in Florida if you're looking to get away this season. Captain Gene Nigro, old friend of mine, celebrates 40 years of ocean conservation with a profile of Cindy Ziff and her organization Clean Ocean Action, which actually helped this year in finding that satellite tag that I talk about in that article. Crazy, crazy story. In fact, that big fish that we tagged, it was caught again with the tag 
And we got the photo of that sometime, someplace in Long Island. You'll also find in the February edition a spotlight on Susquehanna River fishing in Pensy by Cody Perry as we prepare to head out to Oaks, PA later this month for the Philadelphia Fishing Show. Finally, you'll see in the February edition where my buddy Bob Misak of Ocean County, friend of mine, wrote up South Jersey White Perch, which honestly is your very best bet from shore or maybe even skiff or kayak right now. Uh, in the Hackensack, Raritan, down through the Toms, uh, Mullica, Great Egg, Tuckahoe, and the Fortescue Creek area as well, dressed off the Delaware. Now, we've been talking about white perch for weeks, right? Bloodworms, shrimp, killies, gulp. Uh, I got a nice photo last week of a young lady who did a little perching on the Hackensack recently. Eight-year-old Meadow Stella. She's a weekly viewer here the Fisherman's Weekly Video Fishing Forecast. She got out on the Hackensack recently with her dad, Michael, putting a few white perch on the dock in January. Well done, Meadow, showing those tasty little spinies. They're terrific. They are cousins of striped bass, which is why they're swimming in the same area. And of course, you might catch some striped bass if you're fishing in the Hackensack with bloodworms. Just remember, you can't target striped bass this time of year, but you can if you catch them, you just have to release them. Again, if you want to see what folks are catching, what they were catching up until this past weekend, Sunday we did the print reports. We printed up this edition on Sunday. Go get this February edition. You'll also find a, a handful of lady anglers just like Meadows showcasing some of their top catches to finish off the year of 2023. And actually, I think I've got a fish of early 2024 in here as well. That's the monthly edition, New Jersey, Delaware Bay. Uh, in there, you've got those catches, you've got the photos, you've got the reports, plus news throughout the region, a calendar of events, and our monthly hotspot feature this month is from Tom P of Rack and Fin Radio and Creekside Outfitters, so you wanna check that out. The other fishery that's keeping folks busy still into February, of course, as the cover shows you, is blackfish or totog or tog. Fewer boats are running right now, but there are a handful you'll find listed in the report section of the February edition if you want to get out there, uh, particularly out of Shark River in Belmar, head boats operating in Brielle and Point Pleasant, of course. Now, in this week's edition of Open Boat, our own Jenny Ackerman tackers, tackles that blackfish concept again. She's been doing this on a regular basis. That is the big fishery we've got January and February at the Jersey Shore. But she had a chance to sit down with Dave Rooney, who happens to be her, her, one of her mentors in the tog fishery. I've known Dave for a long time working, uh, as he's worked with uh, WAGs on Fin Chasers Charters, but he's got a couple of 20 pound tog under his belt. So let's check in with Jenny and Dave and find out how Dave has helped her become quite the rig fisherman when it comes to jumbo blackfish. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's Open Boat. Today we are with my rig fishing mentor, Dave Rooney. Dave taught me a lot about rig fishing. The number one rule is try not to suck. But he just did an amazing seminar. You can hear I have a live audience here at this open boat. Um, he just did an amazing seminar on everything boat black fishing. And he's going to give you guys some tips and tricks for when you're rig fishing. All right. So biggest thing with rig fishing, do not move your sinker. You do not want to... Move your sinker whatsoever. You want to keep that sinker flat in the bottom and a little bit of a belly in the line. Like a, a, just a small belly in the line not to lift that sinker up. If I can say one thing that separates the guy next to you from having a whole cooler full of fish, absolutely, you know, 
nailing them to you, stroking it, is you're moving your sinker around too much. You do not want to move your sinker. You want to have a small belly in the line, and you want to move with your swell. When the boat's coming up and down, you want to be able to move that rod and follow it so you're not lifting that sinker off the bottom. Every time you lift that sinker off the bottom, whatever fish that was coming to bite your bait is now leaving and biting the bait of the guy next to you who's not keep lifting the sinker off the bottom. Um, another thing is, you know, once you, once you send your bait down, you get to the bottom, don't be afraid initially to move your, move your bait and curl it to find something hard. Once you find something hard, leave it be. Um, if you're fishing on sand and you don't feel any hard bottom, don't be afraid to pitch it out a little bit, move it around until you find something hard or until you feel your sinker, you know, feels like it's falling down some steps, falling into a hole. Once you find that, leave it be. Somebody's home and eventually they're going to bite it. And um, I, try, I try to not set the hook on the first pull. The way a blackfish will bite it, they will pull on it, pull on it, pull on it. That sharp pull you feel is that fish having it in his teeth and he's shaking his head, shaking his head, ripping the legs off, breaking that bait up. You want to wait until the third bite. That, that third bite, it's a pull, a pull. That third bite is a sensation. That's when you start to get a rumble for multiple seconds. So that, that third bite on that sensation is when you want to swing. And, and like I said, the, probably the biggest thing um, in figuring out, figuring out the rig bite is, is when to set the hook. And it's not that first sharp pull. It's not that second sharp pull. It's that third or so bite. It's going to turn into a, a, a bouncing feeling, almost like it's on a, a rubber band. And that's when that fish has that bait in the back of his throat and the crushers in his mouth and that's when you want to swing keep the tip high reel down on them and once that fish starts digging if it's a real big fish then you got them off the bottom don't keep reeling hold hold that fish for a second hold them hold them hold them and then give them the slow reel so dave is a expert with black fishing he's been lucky enough to have multiple 20 plus pounders under his belt already and definitely he had an awesome seminar so listen to his words of wisdom and something cool with everyone here we're just going to give him a round of applause for everything. so thank you guys and stay tuned for next week's open boat In addition to blackfish for the month of February, you'll also have some deep water cod and pollock uh, boats running here at the Jersey Shore. Several boats continue to make that trip east offshore to the offshore wrecks. Boats like the big Jamaica out of Brielle um, and also I would assume the, the, uh, the Paramount as well. That's if you're looking for a little more variety in your winter fish cakes this season. Ling fishery has not really been anything to write home about. And a lot of folks really enjoy that ling fishery, but I know the big Jamaica is looking for those ling as well. A few events to tell you about this weekend as well. First, the Fisherman Magazine, John DeBona, he'll be up in North Jersey this Sunday, February 4th for the Saltwater Anglers of Bergen County's annual fishing flea market that runs from 8.30 a.m. 
until 2 p.m. at the Hasbrook Heights Hilton. Admission is just $5 for adults and kids under 10 years of age are free. Remember, too, that when you visit the Fisherman Magazine's booth or table at any of these shows where we're presenting, when you get your subscription, it doesn't matter if it's new or renewal, even a gift for your buddy, you will walk away with a four-inch Tsunami uh, iPop popper. Plus, via email, you're going to get a $20 gift card from Shorehold Marine Products. You can learn more about the shows and where you find the Fisherman Magazine this month in that February edition. Uh, part of March as well. Several ads for some big shows that are coming up with March. Details on all the goodies in that February edition. You can find out about a great show where the Fisherman has seminars that includes this one in Edison. When it's time for family fun and memories, just add water. Head to the New Jersey Boat Sale and Expo, February 15th through 18th at the New Jersey Convention and Exposition Center in Edison. For tickets, visit JerseyBoatExpo.com. Also this Sunday, February 4th, it's Back Bay Day at the Tackle Box in Hazlitt. Bobby Reed's Back Bay Plugs, a fresh assortment on sale. Maybe the paint's still wet. I don't know. But if you want to pick up some of Bobby Reed's Back Bay plugs for the spring fishery, head over to the Tackle Box in Hazlitt on Sunday. Doors open at 7 a.m. You want to be first in line if you want a few of these special lures. And you want to get there early, too, because Phil and the boys have told me that they've got 30 to 50% off store-wide for that sale this weekend. It should be great. That's on Sunday. For you offshore fishermen at the Jersey Shore, the Canyon Runner All-Day Seminar at Harris in Atlantic City is this Saturday, February 3rd. Tickets are $125 apiece, but you get a lot. You've got those door prizes, uh, countless workshops on tuna, billfish, tilefish, whatever is out off the, off the beach, well off, right? If you're looking to get into that offshore big game, plus you get free breakfast, there's an open bar. Now, last I heard from Adam and the crew at the Canyon Runner, there were only a handful of tickets left. So make sure you call them immediately. The number and the email address are on the screen right now for that Canyon Runner seminar series on Saturday. But just about two miles away from Harris over at Resort, Casino Hotel in Atlantic City, the Ocean Ballroom to be more specific. TV personality George Poveromo is in town on Saturday from 9 to 3 with his National Seminar Series. He's doing that with my friend Nick Konicheski, the man from The Fisherman, our Surf Talk column, and also uh, Saltwater Underground with Nick Konicheski. He's there with George on Saturday. Uh, also notable Jersey anglers like Tommy Daffin, Sloan Endick, Steve Pearl, Al Crudelli, and more. To find out if tickets are available for that big seminar on Saturday with George Poveromo and Nick Konicheski, you want to call 954-755-6898. I think the tickets are $65 if there are, there are any left. Now, we're going to revisit last week's striped bass discussion. We've got slides from the ASMFC, a brand new one that I had done to answer some questions we're going to pick at that scab in just a couple of minutes. But first, let's head inland. Quick look at freshwater with another George that I know from TV. George Shower, your Pocono Outdoors guy. Well, hey, thanks, Jim. You know, regardless of what that groundhog says tomorrow, I think we're in for a great weekend of fishing. Uh, finally, some sunshine and moderate temps. Hope all you guys get out and get a line wet and see if we can get into some of those really good trout 
uh, that's happening this time of year. A matter of fact, a couple of guys did check in with some trout, enjoying that extended season. My good friend Eric Goodstall down here in Northumberland County, uh, chasing some of those brown trout around with some spinners. Yeah, he said the water's getting kind of warm enough and the flow is high enough that those fish are actually out chasing a fast-moving bait like an inline spinner. So that continues to be productive. Over in New Jersey, our good friend Jen Wong checked in, uh, and he was out chasing some of those trout as well. This time a rainbow, uh, and he's been getting those on a float and jig combination that has worked very good for him in the past and continues to work well uh, so far this year. Now, if you guys are up for some smallmouth fishing, remember, smallmouth do like the cold weather. And whether you're up on the Susquehanna or the Juniata, like my good friend Glenn Key, there are some real monsters to be had this time of year uh, if you get out chasing some of those smallies. So I hope you guys get out and try some of that as well. Other places down in South Jersey, our friend Paul Seward, uh, well, he was out chasing some of these giant pickerel. Uh, and how do you beat that? Them things are almost as big as pike. I love these guys that get these giant pickerel because they're, they're really fun to catch. Uh, but also, he was out the next day and got himself into about 30 crappie. Now, that's a great day for the fry pan there. So, guys, I'll tell you what. The weather's been kind of sloppy, but you can see the fishing has been pretty decent. Uh, so, with the weather this weekend uh, looking kind of favorable, be sure you get out and get on them. But from Pennsylvania, I'm George, your Pocono Outdoors guy. get ready for our fifth annual stock up event on march 3rd from 10 a.m to 2. don't miss out on these exclusive savings raffles and fisherman source giveaways we'll be featuring several local vendors pro staff members and most importantly free food can't wait to see you guys there now last week on this broadcast we spoke at length about the asmfc the atlantic states marine fisheries commission and last wednesday's vote on striped bass of course as we discussed it continues along nothing changes for most of us, one fish, 28 to 31 inches, no surprise. Uh, Chesapeake changes. Uh, they're going to be on a one fish bag limit sometime in May. One fish from 19 to 24 inches. Now, since last week's broadcast, our, uh, our 10 minute rundown, uh, I'm hearing a lot of folks saying, moratorium, let's shut it down. We gotta close it, hurry. The stripers are gonna, dis oh, they're going extinct, listen. I'm seeing all these threads. I'm seeing them on my Facebook. I'm seeing on the Fisherman's Facebook. I'm seeing them on our YouTube page. But let's look at the actual charts from the government, the actual spawning stock biomass and recruitment chart produced by the ASMFC. We're really smack dab right in the middle of things in terms of being halfway between the dire days of near extinction in the 80s and historic highs in the early 2000s. In fact, spawning stock biomass has been on the uptick. You can see it on the right side of that chart from 2018 through today. It's actually rebuilding. That historic number, of course, that we're rebuilding to, that is the target. That's the reason for the cutbacks. Because even though the last stock assessment shows that the striped bass stock is rebuilding, it's not rebuilding fast enough to reach that historic number at the deadline date of 2029. Now I'm not picking on anyone here, so don't get upset, but I wanted to address the comments that we have received on this page since last week, on our YouTube page. And I encourage you to keep them up. This is the greatest way for us to share information. Now Mark said, shut it down, shut it down now. Make it a game fish. Well, I would remind you, striped bass is a game fish in New Jersey. No commercial harvest, no commercial sale. 
That's the way it is. And actually, since you can't fish for them in federal waters, right? And thanks to an executive order by uh, President George W. Bush back in 2007 that prohibits the commercial harvest of striped bass in federal waters for sale at shore, it is actually a federal game fish. But it's up to each individual state to figure out how they want to run their striped bass fishery. So if you want to go for game fish status, like New Jersey, like Connecticut, you need to show some action, get yourself mobilized, and go fight at your state legislature. Mark also said, quote, no one believes that recreational fishermen are responsible for killing off the fish, or let's say that recreational fishermen are, are responsible more than commercial for the mortality in the striped bass fishery. I actually see this a lot, and I've seen this a, a lot from, from different people, and I've been having these discussions. Belief is one thing, but the government science is another. So according to the government data, comparing reported commercial harvest through their quota uh, fisheries management system as compared to the NOAA Fisheries Marine Recreational Information Program, or MRIP, the effort surveys, recreational mortality in the striper fishery, that's in the blue columns, far exceeds that in the commercial sector, which is the horizontal red line down underneath. In fact, it's not even close. It's like five or six to one, according to the government science of recreational mortality on striped bass compared to commercial. I would ask you to take uh, particular note of the light and blue dark columns. The actual harvest of striped bass by anglers, it's practically same as mortality with catch and release, right? What's that mean? right? Almost half of the mortality comes from catch and release. The other half of the mortality comes from harvest. So if you were to shut down the fishery to protect against the killing of any striped bass, you're still going to have to account for roughly 2 million or so striped bass killed from catch and release as well. So I don't know how you're going to accomplish that. By the way, that 2022 spike in recreational success with striped bass, that's because of the incredible fishery that we had in the 2022 season. Plus the fact that NOAA Fisheries has admitted that their fishing effort surveys are overestimating harvest by or, or effort by as much as 40%. But if you look at that peak in 2022 and think back to the 2023 season that we just had, when all these numbers are released and they update that stock assessment for striped bass sometimes, sometime in 2024, you can imagine you will probably see another one of those blips on the up. Total Noob doesn't buy into that recreational mortality estimate coming from NOAA Fisheries and the ASMFC, and he says it breaks his heart to see a striper harvested. But Total Noob took a different position in his opening salvo in our YouTube page, and he seemed to blame the for-hire boats, the anglers on for-hire boats, the charter and head boats, for all of the mortality in the striped bass fishery. So I got in touch with the ASMFC, and they sent me this chart that's going to blow your minds away, and especially you, noob. The government data shows this chart is the reason why so many members of the for hire community wanted a different set of regulations for their anglers. For hire removals or overall mortality in the striped bass fishery is represented in green. That's that tiny small sliver at the top of each column. 
The blue, the rest of each column, represents dead stripers by private anglers, you and me, boaters, surfcasters alike, assuming again that 9% mortality rate on striped bass, meaning every 100 stripers you catch and release, nine of them are dead. That's the government data, that's the government thinking. So keep that in mind when you point your finger at him and say he's the guy to blame. The government data shows completely opposite information. So glass houses, throwing stones, that kind of stuff. I tell people all the time, we've got to keep the entire recreational fishing community together. Even though we don't see eye to eye on everything, we have to hang together or assuredly, we're all going to be hanging separately. That's a Ben Franklin quote, by the way. In the ASMFC hearing last week, New York officials talking about the dismal 2023 Young of the Year class on Hudson River mentioned that perhaps the invasive goby was something to look at in the future. Now, Thomas replied by saying, quote, could we hatchery raise striped bass and release fingerlings or one-year-olds to address either poor fertilization uh, or the growth to fingerlings due to environmental conditions. One-year-olds, well, that would address predation by small fish like gobies. I've heard this idea before, and it's certainly something I would hope that government officials, fisheries managers, and experts are looking at somewhere down the road. And I bring that up because let's go back in history here. It was fingerling stripers, I think about 130 or 150 of them. They were once shipped by rail car from the Navasink River out to the California coast and deposited in San Francisco Bay. That westward expansion in 1879 led to a robust striped bass fishery in San Francisco Bay because of the fingerlings that came from New Jersey. Ain't that pretty cool. Uh, hey, I received a, an email from a chemical engineer named David. Uh, an avid angler who was pouring over the recent Young of the Year numbers from the Hudson, he believes he sees a cycle here. Uh, Dave spends all of his uh, days looking at numbers. I don't. They are all confusing to me. Dave said, look at the Hudson River recruitment chart very closely. You'll see what he explains is a pattern every five to nine years or so. Quote, unquote, he says, uh, this is definitely a cycle to it. Dave believes... Uh, this is above my pay grade, but perhaps there's something, something cyclical in nature that might be worth looking into. Again, I hope the fisheries managers are and the scientists are doing something like that. Finally, and I've heard this several times, but I'm attributing it this week to our YouTube page with somebody named Stripe Bass Anglers. Say it's time for folks to take a class in how to handle striped bass. Come on, folks, really? Where does that end? Uh, I mean, seriously, there should be classes on, uh, on posting and processing information on Facebook. There should be classes in how to alternate merge on the highway. There should be classes in how to be courteous to open a door for somebody. I mean, who's going to write the classroom in instruction? Who are we going to put as responsible for that? Do we have to give up a Saturday to sit through this classroom discussion? Who administers it? Who pays for it? Who's going who's gonna to check grade my test? I mean, for crying out loud, you got a nut job on the New York City subway swinging a machete at people. They take him downtown and he gets a desk appearance ticket, probably never shows back. Do you think if I show up in a courtroom in New Jersey 
for fishing without taking the required striped bass class? What do you think the judge is going to say? In the same courtroom where I'm sitting with drug dealers and wife beaters and folks who rip off catalytic converters out of other people's cars, who break into people's homes, you think that a striper class violation is going to lead to uh, increased enforcement? Come on, think about this. I got a better idea. We talk about proper uh, handling techniques in the, in, in the Fisherman Magazine all the time. What if we make it required that everybody that fishes in New Jersey has to get a subscription to the Fisherman Magazine? Now that is an idea. <sighs> a couple of passings to tell you about. Uh, very worthy of mentioning. Uh, we, we learned recently the fishing world of the uh, of the loss of Captain Bruce Miller back on January 7th, the age of 85. Bruce was very well known in the Manasquan River Point Pleasant community. Uh, he had run his gypsy shark out of Hoffman's in Brielle for a long time, then the Mirage uh, out of Clark's, and he was often the, the waymaster at most of these offshore tournaments. You probably saw him if you fished any of those tournaments. Captain Bruce 20 years ago, also did a lot of the seminars that we do at the Fisherman Magazine. Uh, you know, we've got the seminars coming up for the Jersey Sale, the Jersey Shore Boat Sale and Expo, the Atlantic City Boat Show, the Philadelphia Fishing Show. Well, Bruce used to do those seminars for us. He was a great captain, a pioneer in canyon fishing, and a noted Mako Shark guy. I uh, also received a very special email recently from subscriber Joe DeBeradinas. I hope I'm getting that right, Joe. Joe's father passed away in January, an avid surf fisherman along the Delaware seashore, mainly 3Rs Road. Joe told me his dad was a mentor to many of the people that fished down there. He's had health issues as he's gotten older, hasn't been able to fish. But Joe said this, for the past year, his father has been in an assisted living facility. And on Thursdays after work, I would go see him. We would sit and listen to your weekly fishing forecast and tell stories about previous fishing trips. I will deeply miss him but we'll continue listening to your reports and thinking of him on the beach. That is fantastic, Joe. Can't thank you enough for sharing. I'm sorry for your loss. My prayers are with you. My prayers are with the Miller family as well, but it really that's something that's really touching and makes it worth doing this every week. Got to talk to some great people at the Raritan Bay Anglers Club this last, uh, this past Saturday. And I look forward to me seeing folks in a couple of weeks. I'll be out at Palmyra next Sunday. But again, come see us this Sunday. John DeBone is going to be at the uh, Saltwater Anglers of Bergen County Fishing Flea Market that Sunday. All the details are in the January edition of the Fisherman Magazine. You'll also find it in the February edition of the uh, Fisherman Magazine. You can also go to thefisherman.com and look at our events section and our whole listing of where the shows are throughout the region. God bless you all. And I'll see you again next week. Oh, by the way, if, um, if you're in that striper class this weekend, I can't make it. So can I borrow your notes? Talk to you about it next week.